You know, I really appreciate that hymn. Um, the Course says, all sufficient grace, right? Never powerless. It is Christ who lives in me, right? And his exhaustlessness, right? So I hope we leave tonight with a greater appreciation, right? That it is Christ who lives in us, right? Um, so we're continuing on this line of faith um, in the book of Genesis. And, um, and so we can just jump right into the, to the outline here. Um, so the title for tonight is The Seed for the Fulfillment of God's Purpose. Can we all say that together? The Seed for the Fulfillment of God's Purpose. So Roman number one says, for the fulfillment of God's purpose, God must have the seed. Okay? And so let's read these verses together here. This is Genesis 12, 1, 3, and 7. Ready, go. Now Jehovah said to Abram, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And Jehovah appeared to Abram and said, to your seed I will give this land. Okay, so with your pencils, um, let's circle in verse 3, all the families. And then in verse 7, let's circle, to your seed I will give this land. We'll come back to this. All the families and to your seed, I will give this land. So we see in these verses that uh, Abraham um, was told that he would have a seed, right? So this is actually a, uh, a prophetic word referring to Christ, right? This isn't the first time, you know, in the Bible where we see that Christ is a seed, right? Or the seed is referring to Christ. So in Genesis 3, we see Christ as the seed of the woman, right? The next verse that we would read is Galatians 3, where we see that the seed of Abraham is actually Christ. Right. And then in 2 Samuel 7, we see that he's the seed of David. Right. So Christ is the seed. So Roman numeral, I mean, uh, letter A says Christ is the unique seed of Abraham. In God's eyes, Abraham has only one seed, and that is Christ. And let's read Galatians 3.16 together. But to Abraham were the promises spoken, and to his seed, he does not say into the seeds as concerning many but as concerning one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Okay, brothers and sisters, I love the Bible. If you love the Bible, can you say amen? Amen. Okay, in 2 Timothy 3, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, right? So the Bible is the very breath of God, right? So there's no wasted words in the Bible. And the reason why I'm saying this is because notice here, um, when God is, ta is, is talking about Abraham's descendant, He's calling it a seed, a seed. Why doesn't he just say, going back up to verse 7 in Genesis 12, right? Why doesn't he say, to your son or to your child, I will give this land, right? Well, if you consider a seed, right, a seed is a small container of life. And the purpose of this seed is to be sown, right, sown into the ground, scattered abroad, right? And then it issues in an outward growth. And if we go back to the title, right, this seed is what? It's for the fulfillment of God's purpose, for the fulfillment of God's purpose. Now, we know that our Christ, right, in his human living, right, he fulfilled God's purpose, which we see in Genesis 1.26 is that God desired to have a group of people, right, to express them, express him with his image and represent him with his dominion. This is what our Christ did. God on earth had a man representing him with his dominion and expressing him in his image. But God's desire is not just to have one man to do this, 
right? He wants, he wants this Christ to be enlarged, to be expanded, to be expressed in such a way, right? Through many sons. This is what he desires. So in order for him to get this, this Christ who became the life-giving spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 45, needs to impart or implant himself as the seed into your spirit. Amen. Isn't this marvelous? This, so that he can have this enlarged expression of himself. Okay, so the first man, Adam, right, this was what he was supposed to do, but we know the story, right? The first man, Adam, fell, right? And, you know, partaking of the tree of knowledge. And so in Genesis 12, God had to make a turn. You could say that this turn was from the Adamic race, right, or for the created race, to the called race of Abraham. Abraham was called, right? He was called um, out of his land, right, out of his relatives, right, out of, out of his father's house, okay? Um, but why I wanted you to go and circle uh, Genesis 12, 3, right, all the families, right, because even though God made a turn, from to the Abrahamic race, he made a turn back to the created race. So God never gave up on his purpose, right? So that this blessing could come to you and me, to all mankind. And I'm getting excited right now because we'll see what this blessing is here in a minute, okay? It's not a BMW, okay? It's not a nice house in Beverly Hills, okay? It's not none of that, okay? But we'll see. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But this, we'll see what this blessing is. So why don't we read uh, point B together? The unique seed. We are all sons of God and sons of Abraham. And then let's read these set of verses. This is Galatians 3, 7, 26, and 29. Know then that they who are of faith these are sons of Abraham, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And if you are of Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. Okay, can you raise your hand if you are of Christ? Very good, very good. So you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to promise. But so let's go back up to Genesis 12, 7, right? Because God says to Abram, to your seed, right, I will give this land. So this is what God is pointing to. To your seed, I will give this land. This is the destination. So what is this land, right? And I think we, we all know land is very important. You know, there's wars over land, right? But again, praise the Lord for the Bible. The Old Testament, as you may have heard us say before, it's a picture book, right? And so I want to read Deuteronomy 8, some verses out of Deuteronomy 8 to give you a picture, right, of this land, right? This is Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 10. It says, For Jehovah your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of water brooks, of springs, and of fountains, flowing forth in valleys and mountains. Verse 8, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates <laughs> and a land of olive trees with oil and of honey. Verse 9 says, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will, lack no, you will not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, iron and from whose mountains you can mine copper. Verse 10, and you shall eat and be satisfied. 
and you shall bless Jehovah your God for the good land which he has given you. This is the picture of the land, right? But what is this land? In the New Testament, we are in the reality. It's not a small thing for us being New Testament people, right? So let's read Galatians uh, 3, 13, and 14 to see uh, what this land is. Christ has redeemed us out of the curse of the law, having become a curse on our behalf, in order that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So this all-inclusive land in reality, right, is the all-inclusive spirit. This is what the land is, and this spirit is in your spirit. I really appreciate this. I mean, you will eat and be satisfied. You know, brothers and sisters, I don't know what you need tonight. I think some brothers, they need energy, right? You know, I need to be empowered. You know, I don't know what you need tonight, you know, but whatever it is that you need, you can turn to your spirit. Whatever you need, it is in the spirit. This is so marvelous. I mean, if you need the Lord to nourish you, Right. If you need the Lord to enliven you, if you need a drink spiritually, whatever it is that you need, it is in the spirit. Okay, this is this is wonderful. So in Roman in Roman numeral two on Abraham's side. Right. We want to see how this seed is brought forth. Okay. Point A, it says it is not what Abraham already possessed. Okay, it's not what Abraham already possessed. So the situation here is when Abraham was called right? He was already of old age and his wife, right? She was barren, Sarah, right? So you can imagine, you know, God is telling Abraham, you know, you will have a seed, you know, how, how is this going to happen, right? So let's read Genesis 15, 2, 4, and 5 together. And Abram said, O Lord Jehovah, what will you give me for I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. But then the word of Jehovah came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, but he who will come out from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look now toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your seed be. So he's, Abraham's in this position. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm of old age, Sarah's barren, but I have this servant, Eliezer. But God tells him, no, it's not Eliezer, right? Again, it is not what you possess or anything that you have or that you can do from your own effort, right? I know, you know, when we pray, I mean, when we receive the Lord, I mean, we just love the Lord. We thank, we thank the Lord for dying for our sins. We're just full of appreciation to him to where we just want to do things for him. And that's marvelous. Out of this, it comes consecrations, all, all of this, right? But the Lord says that it's not anything that you can do out of your own effort, right? It's not of your own ability that's going to fulfill my purpose. But I, what I need to do is what I need to work myself into you, right? Work myself into you through my dispensing. And it is what's and it's through this dispensing and what comes out, this is what's going to fulfill my purpose, which is just Christ himself. You know, last week, our brother, our brother Dave, you know, when he was talking about what faith is, you know, he touched on God's economy. I don't know if this is something new to you all, 
But this, this word economy, we can see it in Ephesians 1.10, Ephesians 3.9, and 1 Timothy 1.4. We see this, this word economy. And this is his plan, right? How he's going to fulfill his purpose. And how he's going to do this is him, him becoming a man first off, right? Being incarnated, right, as Jesus Christ. This one living a sinless, right, uh, human living, right, of 33 and a half years, dying, resurrecting, becoming the life-giving spirit, right, ascending and imparting himself into us as the spirit, right? This is how he fulfills his purpose, right, in his economy. Again, we don't worship three separate gods. The three are distinct, but they're not separate. Right. We believe that these these ones, they coexist and they co one another. Right. From eternity to eternity. However, in his economy, he had to make a journey. Right. right. This one. Right. Who dwells in unapproachable light, according to First Timothy six. Right. In order for him to impart himself into man, he had to become a man himself. Right. And this man dying on the cross and becoming the life giving spirit to impart himself into us. This is how he fulfills his purpose. Right. And us remaining in this in this in this place. Right. Where we can be where he can dispense himself into us. And it is this that fulfills his purpose. Right. And so um, in point B, um, it says it is not what Abraham could produce out of himself. So let's read Genesis 16, 16 and 17 together. Abram was eighty-six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And when Abram was 99 years old, Jehovah appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the all-sufficient God. Walk before me and be perfect. Okay, so Eliezer, he doesn't, he doesn't make the cut, right? He says, Eliezer is not, you know, is not what I desire. Then Sarah has an idea. Well, okay, I have uh, this maidservant, Hagar. Well, why don't you have a, you know, a child with Hagar, right? Do you think that that fulfills God's purpose? Is Ishmael going to fulfill God's purpose? Okay, so I want you to, I don't know if you, if you caught this. So Abram was 86 years old when he bore Ishmael, 86, okay? And then when when Jehovah appeared to Abram, he was 99 years old. What's the difference there between 99 and 86? It's 13, right? So that's 13 years that Abram went without, outside of the presence of God. No fellowship with him, right, for 13 years because of what I produced and what I did out of my own flesh, out of my own effort, out of my own self to try to please God. Right. This is this is what this is what happened. You know, this is not what God desired. It's something to be out from us. You know, when I was when I was preparing, you know, for this message, I was uh, reminded of Matthew seven. I think these set of verses are, is a, always sobers us. You know, it's uh, verses twenty one through twenty three. And it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of the heavens. Oh, excuse me, yeah, kingdom of the heavens. But he who does the will of my Father who is in the heavens. And in verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, was it not in your name that we prophesied, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name did many works of power? And in 23, he says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Right, I never knew you or I didn't recognize you. I didn't approve what you did. 
Why? Because it wasn't from myself. It wasn't through the grace wrought into you and this would coming out of you, right? I did not, I did not approve of this, right? So it wasn't, a, it wasn't of me, right? And so in point C, it says, it is not, it is only what God worked into Abraham. Likewise, only what God works into us through his grace can bring forth Christ as the seed to fulfill God's purpose. These verses are more, okay, why don't we read Galatians 4.19 together. My children with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. So these set of verses, verses here in, in the parentheses is, are wonderful. So in Galatians 1.26, it says that we can, it shows us that we can please God. How can we please God? It's by, being, it's by Christ being, being, uh, being uh, what is, revealed in us, right? In Galatians 1.26, Christ being revealed in us. And then in 2.20, is Christ living in us. In Ephesians 4.19, I mean, uh, Galatians 4.19, what we read, is Christ being formed in us. Ephesians 3.17, Christ is making his home in us. And in Philippians 2.13, God is working, the willing, has, is working both the willing and the working in us. So he's doing all these things in us, right? In order for the God to, in order for God's uh, purpose to be fulfilled. So, point D says, in order to fulfill God's purpose, we need to receive God's grace so that Christ can be wrought into us as the seed. John 1.16 says, for of His fullness we have we all received, and grace upon grace. And so, in verse uh, 17, the next verse, it says that the law. Um, came through Moses, was given through Moses, right? And so what the law does is that it makes, it puts demands on man according to God's uh, standard of righteousness, right? And of course, us as sinners, we can't meet that standard. And God doesn't lower that standard for us to meet it. But what he does is he comes in Christ, right? As the spirit, right? To impart himself into us not just once for all, but again and again, right? And then this, this, and it is this grace that supplies us with what God is to meet his demands. Does that make sense? So we need, to, we need the dispensing, very much so. You know, the thing here with Abraham and with Sarah um, is, you know, I talked about the dispensing, right? God dispensing himself into us. Well, what is a way that God, what is a way that God can dispense himself into us? He's made it so easy. We can call on the name of the Lord, right? We can sing hymns. We can do all these things. One thing that I want to I want to point out is the matter of prayer. You know, Abraham and Sarah were very much in a time of need. I mean, God is telling him, you know, I'm, you're going to have a seed. Well, how is this possible? Right then and there, we should have turned. We, we should turn to prayer, all right? Because God is telling us it's going to happen, so we believe it's going to happen. But it's something that, that is outside of man's capacity in order, in order to happen. So you know, I was even considering even Hannah. You remember Hannah? Hannah, likewise, was in the same situation as Sarah. Her womb was shut, right? But she knew that God wanted Samuel, right? So she prayed, right? And Samuel came forth. It's very marvelous. So it is, it, it is through prayer 
right, that God can dispense himself, dispense himself into us, right? Through in his economy, he can do this, you know. And so even with, even with prayer, you know, in Matthew 18, it says that, and this is even, you know, even pointing to God needing a group of people to represent him on earth. Because God says that, the Lord says that, whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in the heavens. And whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loose in the heavens. Now, how is this possible, right? Because we're actually, you could say, supposed to be the acting God on earth, binding on earth what has been bound in the heavens, losing on earth what has been loosed in the heavens. It's through prayer, right? In the context, there is where two or three are in harmony, right? Where two or three are in harmony, right? That we're praying with one another, right? In order for these, in order for what's, what's been bound in the heavens to be bound on the earth, and whatever is loosed in the heavens to be loose on earth, right? So this is this is what we do, you know, for you know us who who serve, you know, on the uh, on on the team here. You know, we're not, you know, one brother, and we love this brother. Um, you know, he, he thought we were watching TV. You know, we we as you know as you know you know one serving on the team. You know, we just we're watching TV, sit sit around watching TV all day. You know, um, but you know what we do is we pray ourselves into God. Right, we pray ourselves into God first. First, we have to, and then from there, right, we pray for one, every one of you, right. Don't think you know just because of you know we have college degrees and we may have been to a Bible school that we can just come to appointments, Reese, and just have times with you. No, we have to pray, brother. We have to pray, right. Again, it's not because it's not something of my own effort or something that I something that I have that I bring to you. Right. I got to pray myself into God. I need Christ to be wrought into me as the spirit in order for me to meet with with another person. Amen. So in point three, it says so we need to be open to this matter of grace, too. Let me say this. So it says grace upon grace in John 1 16. Right. So we're open to these waves of grace. OK. Point three says Abraham believed Jehovah and he accounted to him as righteousness, right? So this is pointing to um, Genesis 15, 16. But it says Abraham believed in Jehovah, but so Abraham already believed in Jehovah before, um, before chapter 15, right? In chapter 14, he, tell, he, told, the, he told the kingdom of, uh, of the king of, of Sodom that I lift up my hands, right? I lift up my hands to Jehovah, right? Possessor of heaven and earth. So he had already believed. But it wasn't until Genesis 15, right, when God told him that Eliezer was not going to be your heir, right? In other words, it's, again, it's not what you can do out of your own effort, right? But the Christ has been worked into you, and that which comes out from you, right, is going to be my heir. This is what he accounted to him as righteousness. This was the faith, right, that was counted as righteous, uh, righteousness to him. And so point A to believe into God is to receive him. So let's all read John 1, 12 together. But as many as received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God, to those who believe into his name. Point one says it is a spontaneous reaction to God's repeated appearing. So in the book of Genesis, Jehovah appeared to Abraham again and again, again and again. 
And when God appeared to Abraham, something of God got imparted into him each time, each time. And so for us, you know, in the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians 3, we see a, a marvelous way of how to do this, right? Is that our, we turn our hearts to the Lord, right? So the veil can be taken away, right? And then verse 18, it says that we behold and we reflect the Lord, right? Like a mirror, right? And we're going on from glory to glory, Amen. right? Even as from the Lord's spirit. Amen. The spirit is doing so much in us, so much in us. I really, I really hope we can all go, go away tonight with a better, better appreciation, more of appreciation of the spirit in our spirit. Point two is it is precious to God and accounted as righteousness, right? So why is Abraham's faith accounted as righteousness? Well, because it's just Christ, right? Isaiah 64 says our righteousness is just filthy rags. So anything that we do is unrighteous, right? So it has to be, right, this one, this Christ, this righteous one imparted into us, right, that is accounted as, counted as righteousness. So let's read Galatians 3.11 together. That by the... No one is justified before God, evident, because the righteous one shall have life and live by faith. Amen. Point B says, Abraham was justified by such a faith, right? So God's justification of this faith is based on or because it is something of God that got infused into him, right? And then Genesis 15, 6 says, and he believed Jehovah, and he accounted to him as righteousness, right, as righteousness. So the basis, right, for God to, to be able to dispense himself into us is through this justification or through righteousness, right? And this, and we can see that the proceed, this procedure, so this isn't on your, on your outline, by the way, but I'll speak this to you in Romans 3. We can see the procedure of justification. And the, and the verses here is Romans 3, 23 and 24. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Okay? So it is based on the redemption of Christ, right? That he can impart himself into us. But this is just the procedure. Right. The purpose that we can see of justification is in chapter four. And this is to produce. Right. To produce a body for Christ, which becomes the kingdom of God on earth. This is Romans 413. For it was not through the law that the promise was promise was made to Abraham or to his seed that he would be the heir of the world. But through the righteousness of faith, through the righteousness of faith. So justification it's for God's chosen ones, right, to inherit the world, that they may exercise God's dominion on earth through the righteousness of faith. And this is, brings us back to God's purpose, right, that he would have a group of people to express him in his image and represent him with his dominion on earth. 